Hello, Dr. Schaffner. No, I think I think you have that wrong. Um, this is uh, this is Food Safety Talk, episode oh. thirty-seven. Uh, I'm John Stewart, and joining me today is our, my usual uh, podcasting uh, host uh, guest, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you, John. So glad to be here. <laughs> I, I actually might have just turned into to Bill Cosby there. Is that, <laughs> you did. Is that possible? I, I think that's a little bit ping pong, but yes, it was. That was kind of weird. It was, I, it was Jello pudding pops. Uh, I don't know what's. I don't know what's going on. Our, our, our listeners must must be so. I mean, someone probably just reached for their iPod right now or their iPhone or however they listen to this and was like, "Wait a second, I downloaded the wrong podcast." It's John Stewart and Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, for those who don't know, this is a little bit of follow-up um, that uh, our, our friend, uh, common friend, uh, Bobby Krishna uh, in Dubai from the Dubai municipality uh, emailed me uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago saying, hey, has anybody ever told you, Ben, that your voice on the podcast sounds like Neil deGrasse Tyson? And uh, I responded with, no, no one, no one's ever said that. Uh, and then Don... Well, and of course, immediately, because it's got to be all about me, right? Right, right. I'm, I'm immediately <laughs> jealous, and I want to know who I sound like. Uh, yeah. And, and so I said, John Stewart. And, <laughs> and then everything was all right. right and exactly. I felt very warm and, 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 and comfy inside. It was perfect. Did you like my explanation, though, to, to Bobby on why John Stewart? Because you're, you're a little bit Jersey and the voice of reason. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> ah, so what's going on? How are things? Things are things are good. It's actually uh, not a crappy day here in New Jersey. It's still a little bit cold, but uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a nice day, I think. Fantastic! It is. It's cold here. The the uh, North Carolina. Oh, it's please. It, I'm. It is. It is like not super cold, but it's cold for March in North Carolina, which has been which which has been disappointing recently. And I just got back from Calgary, uh, Canada, where, where they know a thing or two about cold. Holy crap! There's a lot of snow. So uh, did you remember to bring a coat? I did. I, I brought a coat. Um, I in fact even purchased uh, some clothing for Jack, or we purchased some clothing for Jack because he is not as a four year old is not uh, doesn't have a closet full of old coats from when he was in Canada, uh, like I do. But I did not. I did not have boots, so I got to Calgary with no boots, and we went to the mountains, and I had to borrow my brother-in-law's boots. Um, all I had were a, a pair of New Balance uh, running shoes that that aren't even good in the rain, so <laughs> so it was it was pretty good, yeah. But yeah, it was it was good, and it's been it feels like it's been forever since we've talked. I mean, it's only been two weeks, but it just feels like a long time. So, and we have I've, so much, so much I've, to talk I've about. Missed, I've missed you too, Ben. Oh, that's what I was saying. It was a subtle way of me saying that. <laughs> so, so um, before we have I, we have oh. we have a lot to do today. We oh, have gosh. a lot of follow up. We have a lot of things to potentially talk about. So. This could be a, a double super episode. We, we could just keep going. We could just go until the next episode. <laughs> Except that I have to sign off and do a webinar. But yes, <sighs> you can keep going without me. Your stuff and my stuff gets in the way. Um, so, so let me tell you that uh, I know you've been watching the newsroom. And uh, I have – that's inspired me to go back and watch a couple of episodes uh, as well. So I, I went back and watched um, – uh, the campaign, which is the I think the final episode of season one. Um, have you have you been there yet? Have you finished it? I saw. Yeah, you. so I I did. I watched all of season one, including the the campaign, which is kind of a it's a weird ending because all of a sudden 
they uh, they no longer work in a newsroom, and the the news the brain dead anchor um, is <laughs> is suddenly running for office in Canada, and it's it's good. It's it's very very good. I I have to confess, I have slacked off on my newsroom watching, and despite the fact that you provided season two to me, I have not yet uh, begun to watch it. But yeah, the campaign was a, a hoot. I thought the campaign was awesome, and it, uh, as I was flying to Calgary last week, I downloaded a couple on my, um, or not downloaded, I put a couple on my iPad. Um, as Jack was beside me watching Toy Story 2, I fired up the couple episodes in the newsroom, and um, I watched, so you need, your, your homework, uh, even though you're, you will do it anyway, is to go watch season two, episode one, because it, it is all about foodborne illness, and I had forgotten about it. And, um, and you, yeah, and you had, uh, you had, uh, uh, texted me or emailed me about that and and yeah definitely it's uh, it's on my list of things to do it's awesome i'll just tell you that it all revolves around bad clams <laughs> so and that's it i'm a no no spoiler alert or, or no more fo- further spoilers but uh, go ahead and, and and check that out and my um my update on the wire is i am now halfway through season five and oh. yes yes and i'm and i, I don't want to know any more than 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 what i know but i but i'm I, I I think I had texted you or we had talked about an episode that I had missed the drunk McNulty and the grumpy McNulty. And then he's back in season five. And he's, oh, yeah. And, it, and it's great. It is, I mean, it's McNulty. It, it, uh, it, it is a fantastic series. So I'm, I'm happy. Hopefully, I don't know. I, actually, I don't even care kind of how it ends. I'm just happy that I've got five more episodes to go uh, to see the summation of the whole series. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's great. I mean, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's just it's it's well worth it. I think. A while back, Marco Arment had posted – made some comment about – I guess it was when, when Build and Analyze was ending on on the 5x5 network and he was talking about how, well, you know, good things have to end and things shouldn't go on too long. Like The Wire, you know, we never should have had season five. It should have ended at season four and it's like, come on, that's that's nonsense. I mean season five really ties the whole thing up and just wraps it up really nicely, so – yeah, well, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's uh, it's good. It's nice to see Avon Barksdale back in the mix, um, and, uh, and and the the whole the whole thing's good. I I, I like. Uh, I'm looking to see how things are tied up with Omar. So, because um, as I've mentioned before, he's I th- I think my favorite character in all of television at this point. It's be- it's between him and Don Draper. So I'm um, uh, yeah. I'm, it's it's great. Yeah, Omar's Omar's pretty great. Cool. Um, so we got lots of follow up. Let's, yes, we uh, do. Let's let's talk about something that um, uh, in, in here about poop, because <laughs> because we do that. Uh, so following uh, um, our last episode, Andreas, who gets to see and hear what we talk about first, uh, sent us an email uh, about uh, from Gizmodo about <laughs> what, <Yes. laughs> what what color food does to your poop, and and it just made me laugh, and it made me think that I should do more of this. So <laughs> what, what take pictures of your poop? But I, I think really oh. just try to, um, augment my normal poop color with, <laughs> with, with colorful foods. I think that's what it made me do. And again, this, this came, came back to me because we've talked about beets. I, I, I ate beets like three times, uh, in the last two weeks. And each time I think, um, Oh, there were the beats, and then again. Oh, thank you, Andreas, for sending me uh, or sending us this link because there it appears to be other things that I can uh, uh, turn colors with my poop. Like, um, I think I think the corn one is probably my favorite one. 
Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a while since I've looked at this, and I think I have uh, deliberately uh, uh, banished it from my from my brain. But no, but 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 huge thanks to Andreas for knowing just exactly what to to do to uh, uh, to to get us to, uh, to to engage. Yeah, it's it's a real it's actually kind of an interesting article. Um, uh, on Gizmodo, and we'll link to it in in the show notes. And it's yeah, it's just it's very, you know, as as kind of disgusting as it is, it's also quite scientific. And yes. so uh, it's certainly certainly a good good dimension on on the podcast. I mean, because I mean, I think if if nothing else, you know, one thing one useful service that we're providing to people is that you know that it's okay to talk about uh, poop. Exactly. Um, so. The, this I, I did want to mention one more thing. The, so what what this link is? It's um, uh, Gabriel Morias or more uh, Morias, I guess is the the way to pronounce his name. Um, who's an artist? I think um, uh, he ate a whole bunch of different foods. <laughs> he's an art. I mean, I he's an say, artist, and uh, his medium is poop. Yeah, I, I shouldn't say. I think he is clearly an artist. <laughs> it's it's obvious by the, the 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 pictures. But what the one that surprised me, I guess, is the first one on this link. So he eats a bunch of different foods, and a lot of it uh, over twenty hour or you know thirty six hours, thirty hours. So one, the first one that's linked here is. Um, three and a half kilos of Fruit Loops in 30 hours. That's a lot. That's a heck of a lot of Fruit Loops. Um, but it turned his poop all really green. That one kind of surprised me. I guess. I, I guess when you mix um, all the the dyes um, that are in Fruit Loops, that green pops out. I don't know. I just. I thought. I didn't think it was going to be. I thought it would be more gray. Uh, on that one, um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, and then corn and and you know so it eats uh, four kilos of sweet corn in thirty six hours, which is a feat upon its own, um, and four and a half kilos of beetroot in thirty six hours, and so he's taking pictures of that. I just thought it was I thought it was awesome, but uh, takes a, a definite investment. Um, you know, I, I assume that he's only eating uh, sweet corn for thirty six hours, and I I like sweet corn, but I don't think I could just eat sweet corn for thirty six hours. Yeah, I I, I really like sweet corn but even that sounds excessive to me yeah <laughs> oh cool um so we also um had a really nice email from uh probably our uh most famous and, and favorite well i don't know if he's the favorite but he's, the he's one. certainly my favorite he's my favorite he's the one that i i i just want to hug sometimes um <laughs> a listener mike bats who um I, I think i think we provide him with a lot of stuff to think about when he listens to the podcast <laughs> like like he needs more stuff to think about yeah he, he seems to do pretty good on his own, but anyway, it, it's great. So, so I will, I will read, I will read to you. So, so he sent us an email. I've entitled this, uh, I've entitled this section uh, "Jealous?" Question mark. And so I'll read from Mike's email, and he says, "Look, I've never straddled a badly." And he he just writes he's just such a great writer. So, so here we go. So, look, I've never straddled a badly injured deer, punched it a few. Punched it a few times in the face, slit its throat, kneeled down, and engorged myself on the thick, pulsing liquid as the creature's life ebbed away, all while my damaged fiat idled in the background. But I do have a bit of fall. <laughs> and I challenge that. I think based on his description, I think he has done that. I think, <laughs> more than once. Yeah. He seems to know a lot about how how that might work. And more than just uh, – I mean, so the, the meta of this is that's follow-up on follow-up uh, from episode 35 from um, from Carl Custer. But it sounds like he knows. Uh, he knows about this. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So, so, but, but I mean, that's just, that's just his way of getting our attention. And obviously it did, but uh, he, he wants to follow up on the amazing ribs.com uh, website. And he says it, it rang a bell, uh, not only because it's my go-to place for mild meat-based erotica. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, see, see my, uh, my post on my Tumblr link to in the last show notes. Um, uh, it's because the dude has or had a food blog at Huffington Post. He's written a few times about food safety and it's not bad. Um, this post, this post is what I send to my friends and family when they want to know why I avoid sprouts. It's pretty factual and comprehensive and written in a way that I think is pretty engaging to the everyday consumer. So, so again, thanks to Mike for, for actually you know, pointing us towards something more than just uh, this humorous uh, and, and amazing, amazing ribs site, but to, to a guy who, again, who is a, a normal person who, who does obviously have some connection to the food safety world by virtue of who he's, who's married to, but, uh, but, but just a really, again, a nice, uh, a nice post, a guy out there doing, doing our work, that is doing the, the good work of, of communicating to normal people about food safety in an engaging and interesting way. Absolutely. That's cool. And then uh, Mike also links to a few more of his uh, pieces from from Huffington Post, um, which we won't uh, we won't put in the, the show notes. But you can find uh, you can find the Sprouts post, and then from there uh, follow along. So, um, and then uh, Mike also because this is this is an email that goes on for a long time here. Um, it was like a three like he took a couple hours to write. This. Yeah, this is this is yeah this is this is great. So all all our all our listeners should uh, should send us <laughs> five page emails, please, um, or not. Um, uh, and then he says second uh, with regards to horse meat, not only does the denominator matter, but so does the fact that fraudulent food is likely also of higher risk. And that's a really good point. And I appreciate Mike bringing this up because that is something that I'm aware of, but it didn't come out in our conversation. So he says, this isn't your neighborhood sea biscuit platter. This is some risky black market meat that's been snuck into your Bessie burger. Economic adulteration often confers higher health risk. And this reminds me, and, and we'll get back to um, some links that Mike provided, but this reminded me of we've had uh, some cases in uh, New Jersey where people were um, adulterating um, uh, beef with pork. Which so first of all, there's a religious issue if you're if you're uh, halal or kosher, that's obviously a big no no. But there's also some potential food safety risks there as well, and I think that there are some documented cases of food poisoning of people getting sick from. Uh, beef, beef in, in quotes, uh, that was that was also contaminated with pork meat. So, so Mike makes a good point, and, and thanks to him for for bringing that up. Yeah, cool. And at the end of his uh, email, he mentions because uh, he uh, uh, noted that we like Canadian bands with um, with the F word in their title. He, <laughs> right. um, he he suggested that we uh, try a band called F'd Up. Um, uh, and and the the quote for him is particularly if you're into chunky bearded guys that always get way too bloody while singing topless, which I am. Um, they're ostensibly knew that. Yeah, they're ostensibly a hardcore band. Uh, they're much more than that. Their last record was an 80 minute rock opera. David comes to life. Standout single uh, is here. Can you handle it? And so to my message back to Mike is I know of Effed Up uh, because they are good friends, uh, at least in the Twitter sphere, with um, one of my favorite Canadian bands, Sloan. Um, and so uh, I've listened to a, a couple of their um, uh, albums and EP from a couple of years back as well, and I do like them. So. Uh, uh, so perfect, Mike. Thank you for bringing it back to, as always, Canadian music. 
<laughs> yeah, and 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 let me let me just share one more one more thing from from, from Mike's email, um, uh, which is which is just talking about you know again following up on this this idea of uh, of, of fraudulent meat being higher risk. Um, so he says uh, now uh, it does look like in this instance it was just a matter of relabeling horse as beef, so human health might not be riskier, but not so fast, Professor Beardo. Um, <laughs> which wait, I, which one is that? Is that me or is that I you? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it also looks like this meat originated in Romania, which should set off alarm bells. And this is, again, this is a really good point, and, and thanks to Mike for, for pointing this out. Uh, Romanian meat has been quite controversial in Europe, and I personally wouldn't want anything to do with it. Studies have found very high rates of Toxoplasma gondii, again, one of Mike's favorite pathogens in, in uh, sheep, goats, and pigs. And then he provides a link to uh, to a PDF, which we will put in the show notes. And then he goes on to talk about other uh, things relating to uh, risks from Romanian uh, meat. So again, good, good, good. Thanks to Mike for the wonderful and and very detailed follow up. Well, yeah, and on that, uh, the Toxoplasma gondii um, is is interesting because I think if we think back to um, uh, episode thirty four when we talked about uh, Hugh Pennington's comments mm-hmm. uh, about um, horse meat being not you know. Uh, not as much of a problem as as beef and and safer. I, his his comments were specifically around uh, pathogenic E. coli, and uh, you, I think we we go back and look at that that passage. And sure, you're not gonna you know we talked about how the denominator matters, and and you're unlikely to have the same level of pathogenic E. coli in um, in horse intestines, but it doesn't step sidestep around. Uh, uh, Gandhi and that's I mean, I mean that's the thanks to, to Mike for bringing that up because it is I know he he absolutely loves that pathogen you're right um, but it's it's one that um, that I think we often forget uh, in in the the world of um, in processed meats and it's becoming more important as, as Mike has shown in in some of uh, his recent work as, as well as uh, some of what the CDC's uh, showing so it's and it, it's it absolutely this is, a, this is a really good point on on his part. So we yeah, also- absolutely, oh. and then I have to. I just have to add too that he ends his email uh, with that phrase, "My work here is done," yeah. um, which which we also I think referenced in a past episode. And I actually was searching for the like the canonical reference to that, or the 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 uh, that's not the right word, but the, but the ultimate uh, source of that, and and really couldn't find it. And so uh, I think it's uh, and I finally just gave up and 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 didn't didn't send anything to to Andreas to put in show notes. But um, it, apparently, my work here is done. May have been said by the Lone Ranger, uh, or or he says he and Tonto say our work here is done, or, or something at the end of those episodes. But but that is apparently uh, not the original source of it either. But anyway, um, so thanks. To Mike for uh, for fully engaging and and uh, and indeed thanks for the wonderful email. I'm pretty sure it's from the Bible, from Genesis. <laughs> well, it's only six thousand years old then. Yeah, it's six thousand years old, and it's uh, what, what, on the seventh day, uh, right before he rested. He said, "And my work here is done." <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. We've now, we've now pissed off all the religious folks. I'm now. just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> we can fix that in post. Um, we'll fix that in post. <laughs> So um, another uh, another email from uh, from someone we know who listens to the uh, podcast, Aaron Aaron Yu Su G Yu Su G, I think G G G. Is that what that G Yusugi? See now, Yusugi. I even messed that up. I thought that G H E E would be G. As no, you put it's, a, that's the Indian butter G. 
Oh gosh, look at that. I, I don't even know what to say to you now. That's <laughs> fine. Aaron, as he's known to us, Aaron or Aaron. Aaron. Has two A's. Aaron. You. Yusugi, Yusugi, I got it. I think I got it. Um, so he writes to us um, that thanks for the mention a couple episodes back after I sent that email to the show. I realized I missed one chance to start my one chance to start the message with the classic sports talk line. First time, long time, which I love. That's great. Uh, for the record, it is pronounced officially Oweisugi, Oweisugi, but I usually just say Yusugi, and that and now. I usually say Yasugi as well. <laughs> so, Aaron, so anyway, Aaron didn't just uh, email us to, uh, to correct our pronunciation or the butchering of that I provided of pronunciation of his name. Um, he also said uh, on a pseudo topic, which you may have already discussed since I'm two episodes back, uh, there's an Apple iPhone iPad game, which you have to buy, but it's only 99 cents um, and maybe use some of the expiring grant money uh, called Plague Incorporated. Uh, it's essentially a start of a bacteria um you essentially start as a bacteria and your objective is to first infect the entire world and then kill every one of the infected as you spread you gain dna points so you can evolve how you infect airborne human contact fluids methods land animal birds rodents airplanes ships environmental resistance and anti-research like it's hard to culture isolate etc as you progress the world will first take notice of a hot spot and eventually research will begin to stop your bacteria there are amusing news headlines throughout the game that can provide clues uh the current world behaviors the game has become so popular that cdc has invited the creator to speak about the game and using games as a way to teach public health maybe a fun topic as part of the podcast communication outreach portion of the show um and so he he emailed that to us and um you and i both uh, had a conversation I think you were aware of it I, I jack actually uh as he my four-year-old as he goes through the app store with me as we d- download um apps almost daily um uh, asked me to to get plague incorporated uh, uh i don't know a month, maybe a month ago or so and, and we played it a couple times and i thought it was really cool he didn't quite get it um because there's it's a only lot- four He's only four, and there's a lot of reading, and it's not his strong suit. Uh, <laughs> what, what's most interesting to me about Aaron's message is that we apparently have a, a communications and outreach part of the show. Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize that we had that we had, we had shows that the show that actually had parts like that. It does, it does. It's it's usually around uh, a minute thirty four. It's when that kicks in. Uh, it's like a, it's it's called in the industry. It's a it's a running bit. That's we. <laughs> that what it's called? Yeah, uh, it's this is the uh, communication outreach portion of the show, uh, brought to you by uh, Plague Incorporated. Uh, <laughs> well, now they're going to have to sponsor us. Anyway, it's a cool game, so uh, check it out. Aaron, Aaron's right. Thanks for um, for passing that on. Yeah, and I think I shared with Aaron in my email response to him, and if not, I'll, I'll put it in now. Um, there is another app out from the CDC that is that is also quite cool. It's not. Um, it's not nearly as developed as it needs to be, but it's it's uh, it's it's an outbreak. It's an it's an app called uh, Solve the Outbreak, and basically it lets you be an epidemiologist. And it's pretty simple. I mean, it's written for like I think for normal people. Um, it's really pretty easy to solve these outbreaks. I I think in real life it's probably a little harder than this. I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> but it is a very cool outbreak, a very cool app, and you basically have a bunch of different outbreaks to 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 solve. And it would be a very good introduction to somebody who, let's say, was new to epidemiology and, and trying to understand, you know, how does the CDC do this? So again, uh, kudos to the CDC for 
you know, figuring out some kind of kind of clever ways to engage uh, with uh, with folks in this this new world of of apps and iPads and iPhones. Well, yeah, and and you know, props to the CDC for uh, a couple of things. One, uh, investing resources into developing an app to show people, you know, pull back that curtain on what an outbreak investigation is like. But two, for bringing in this cre- the creator of the uh, um, uh, of the game. Um, his name is James uh, James Vaughn uh, to come talk at CDC. I think that's that's super cool. Um, so he he mentions uh, Aaron sent us a link to an article and uh, Vaughn um, talks about why he was invited to CDC. And here's his quote: "They're interested in how the plague is spread." So it's I, I just think it's it's fantastic that um, that CDC the the folks that that are doing that are doing epidemiology and, and looking at how, how plagues might be spread, look to um, someone else who's modeled it here as a video game and say, oh, what can we learn from this? And then the second point was they're also very keen on how games like Plague Incorporated can be used to inform the public about health issues and raise public awareness of these issues. It's fantastic. I mean, we've talked about CDC's um, great work around social media and, and trying to um, use the the evidence out there on health promotion and try to connect with people um, evidence on what works to and actually employing that within their communications and I think this is another uh, great example of that just like when um, and we talked about this way back probably in like episode five or six about the movie contagion when um, CDC I'd, I'd read some article about CDC inviting the producers of Contag- contagion uh, in to show them how it all works uh, and that that was really translated nicely onto the screen in this big big budget uh hollywood movie with uh um gwyneth paltrow and 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 matt damon and just i mean that that they they really are uh, um and and of course i work there according to to dan benjamin so it's uh you know it may be a little biased but 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 i think they really are i think actually not only do you work there you're actually behind all of these great uh, social media initiatives i you know i didn't want to you know i'm a humble guy don i'm a humble guy (laughs) Um, but I mean, they, they really are, they're really so progressive. I mean, this is not, um, not something that I think, uh, uh, you know, many of the other, um, regulatory or, uh, and they're not regulators, but many of the other, uh, federal agencies really, really do in, in our world. So I, I just, I think it's, it's awesome that they're, uh, that they continue to, um, to look to what works and to capitalize on um, how to get into people's heads and in, 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 in games like this. I think, I think it's, it's great. It's, it's the kind of stuff, sorry to cut you off there, but it's the kind of stuff when, when we talk about, we need new messages and new media to, to connect people around food safety, they get, it. They, they're exactly doing that. Yeah, abs- absolutely. So, so thanks to the CDC and also uh, thanks to Aaron for for reminding us of that and sending that that link. Actually, the link to uh, um, James Vaughn, the piece about James Vaughn is quite is quite nice. So, and I was not aware of that. So, thanks to Aaron for doing that. Um, we we it seems to be. A week for for uh, 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 listener email or, or contact. So we one of the things about the new uh, Squarespace six site is it has a very easy to use contact page, which is which is a little bit easier to find than our past contact page. So we have another uh, email. Uh, this is from a listener who I will refer to as a Joker Man. Uh, one of the things that with this new uh, email feedback is is we can set up a little radio. 
um, dialogue where you can say, you know, uh, a la five by five style, uh, read my name, uh, read my message, but not my name or, or, uh, or just as just FYI, please don't read it on the air. So this is from Joker man, uh, who says, well, you can read my message, but not my name. Um, he says, thanks for the mention, uh, in the after dark. Uh, and, and he's just calling to request some fridge magnets. Um, anyway, so uh, he says, I have no great desire to remain anonymous, uh, but I just wanted to provide encouragement and forgotten what email address I was signed into under iTunes. So, so thanks again to, uh, to Joker man who, who, uh, we now, we now know his real name and where he lives. So, <laughs> so we'll be, I'm just saying, we'll know, be coming uh, to visit. <laughs> um, and, and so we're going to send him some fridge magnets, but, but also in his email, he says, um, have you guys considered doing a live podcast a la uh, the Nerdist at IAFP in Charlotte this year, either as an official part of the program or not? Um, and you know, he says this, I thought this would be a pretty amazing symposium for us food safety nerds. And it's it, just a thought he, he concludes, um, which I think is a great idea. And actually I was just doing the audio edits for the episode that's going to post uh, very, very soon, episode 36, the one immediately uh, before this. And we were talking there about the live streaming. Um, and, and so this is kind of related to that. And I think actually doing a live podcast that we record and post is also similarly fraught with technical problems, uh, but might be certainly more uh, within uh, within within the realm of possibility. It's a little bit um, a little bit more difficult. We'd have to figure out how to get microphones, uh, suitable quality microphones to IFP. The, the live podcast that I've heard <clears throat> done at Macworld and places like that, the ambient noise, the background noise is usually pretty horrible. End up, excuse me, not sounding very good. So, um, but it might be an interesting thing to do. And at the very least, Ben, we should do some sort of, I think, a food safety talk meetup. Oh, you know, oh, yeah. at, at IAFP. That's a great idea. We'll, let's and we'll. I think you put this out uh, last year that we'll buy anybody beer at a reception. Um, <laughs> I think we can extend that to <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. to to like actually buying people beer, not at a reception. Um, but. <laughs> Yes. Yes. We will. We will. We will provide you with a drink at at uh, for, at open bar events as well as cash bar events. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No. I think that's a great idea. And, and I, as I read um, uh, Joker Man's message and uh, Andreas actually in the show notes for uh, episode thirty six had put in something about using Google Hangout to broadcast um, uh, potentially that that we'll take a look at um, uh, in between now and then. What What would be really awesome if we could make this fly is to just have a whole host of guests because we'll be able to i mean every everyone's there we can really bring people in like we could do this as like a radio a real radio show like they do during super bowl week um in, in sports talk radio so super bowl that's the one with the ball that's pointy on the ends uh, yeah that's correct okay. that's and also um with the polo sticks uh but they're used in not in the game and um, that's hot box that's hot that's there you go uh, so um but yeah i mean it, it, if uh, i think it's worth us doing a little investigation even if we're not you know broadcasting live but to actually uh record uh one there even if it's just we we get a room uh and and set up like we normally would except both being in the same room uh and and directly to to a computer but we've got we we may be able to just have this um you know uh four or five guests of people that we we wouldn't typically see in the same room and we'll just bring them in and record it and 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 put it out you know do it not do it in a in a large scale like a symposia let's i think it's worth us look you know obviously looking um not getting on the official program probably at this point but um or 
Don, isn't I mean you've got some uh, some connections here with IAFP. Um, <laughs> maybe we can just make this as part of the opening session. We'll just do a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> come on, what what's the use of having power if you can't use it for this? <laughs> well, so here's the thing. <clears throat> I am currently the president elect. At the closing gavel, oh. I become the president. So I think what we ought to do is uh, put this on the agenda for Indianapolis uh, in uh, 2014, and that we we ought to definitely do something. And we ought to, you know, somebody who's maybe not us could submit a symposium idea, and we we would we would you know it would take some planning. I would want to get it officially part of the program. It should come. I think it should come from somebody again who's not us, or, you know, or so it looks like that. You know, it looks like we're not behind it. No, uh, so you know, somebody like uh, a Mike Batson and Michelle Danila could kind of lead the charge on this, um, and and let's do something for sure officially as part of the program in 2014. Awesome, or. I- <laughs> We'll do that for sure. Now, but my as soon as you said you become you um, uh, collect all of your power uh, when the final gavel <laughs> follows. I think that's how you phrased it. You're, yes, yes. Um, well, why don't we just do it kind of like after dark then? After dark for the banquet. <laughs> just let people know the gavel falls and be like, okay, hang on a second. Uh, let's set this up. Don and Ben are going to come up here now that now that Don's in charge. It's after dark for the banquet. <laughs> The banquet, the banquet is tightly scripted, oh, tightly, tightly scripted. That fits. Um, that fits well within what we do. We're we are also tightly scripted. So, yes. <laughs> um, wait, I'm sorry. Wait, I, 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 wait, I lost. I lost my page. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Good. What? what? <laughs> Why, 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 yes, why, yes, Ben, we are slightly tightly scripted. Pause. <laughs> Pause here. Look, nod. <laughs> uh, well, 2014 it is, and but uh, I, it's nice that folks want us to do this, to continue doing this. Yeah, and we, we will definitely do something at IAFP 2013, a meetup or, or a drink up or just some, some, <laughs> some opportunity for everybody to get together who, who are uh, fans of the podcast, who maybe have not met us or who have not met each other, certainly. And, and just hang out. So we will definitely make time to make that happen. Absolutely. Let's uh, we'll, we'll plan on that. Um, uh, one more uh, piece. I think one more piece of follow up. <laughs> the other thing I have to just add um, when 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 uh, uh, Bobby sent this wonderful uh, email, he says, did someone tell you that your voice uh, resembles Neil deGrasse Tyson, which we alluded to at the opening of the show? His tagline on his message is uh, sent from my iPhone. Please ignore the spell errors. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's the best. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, just ignored the spell errors. Well done. I've ignored. I've ignored the spell errors. <laughs> that's good. Um, uh, I guess a couple more uh, pieces of uh, follow up. Just quick, quick hits. Uh, I had uh, an email from uh, uh, Chris Waldrop at the uh, Consumer Federation of America. Uh, he I didn't didn't know this. He's listening to the podcast, and uh, he wrote, uh, "Hope all is well." I was listening to your food safety podcast on Pink Slime yesterday, and appreciated your comments about communicating with consumers very transparently about particular food safety risks or other risks, and what companies are doing about those risks, uh, and that they're organizing a panel discussion on April fifteenth. Uh, Actually, the panel discussion is on the sixteenth of. April in D.C. at the um, Consumer Federation of America's annual National Food Policy Conference, and he invited me to participate in that panel. So I'm going to head down to D.C., uh, head up to D.C., I guess, in the uh, um, 
correct geographical way uh, for the day and and go uh, to that session. Um, the session is. Um, uh, titled, uh, entitled Communicating About Food Issues in the Age of Social Media, and it's going to take place Tuesday, April 16th from 10.45 to 12 p.m., uh, and I'll be on the, the panel with a couple other folks while we talk about um, how social media discusses risk, or not social media, how people on social media d discuss food risks. So that was that was cool. It's the, I think that's the first... Um, invite uh that has come uh directly from something uh that i've said on the podcast or part of the podcast so that was it was cool it's, it's always nice to to hear from folks that are listening to this that we don't know that they're listening so that's oh that's yeah awesome. and 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 i think as as we shared in the email discussions following chris's email is um you know i know chris from uh some of the actually uh, uh call back to frampton comes alive uh, food safety talk episode right. one where i mentioned that i was serving on a national academy panel and, and chris was on that panel so it's it's great uh, it's great to see all these connections being made. And I think um, certainly um, uh, the Chris's group, uh, Consumer Federation of America, is, is definitely you know one of the good ones in terms of advocating for consumers, but doing so in an engaged way. And again, you know, I mean, it, people, you know, there are definitely sides to this debate and people in the food industry on one side and people, consumer advocates or consumer associations on the other side. But it's nice to see you know, groups like Chris's group that really do uh, try to be a reasonable part of the discussion, you know, so and uh, that's to me, that's the that's the way of the future is to have all the sides sort of engaging and talking about about these issues and how we can make things better. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, um, just, you know, like I talk about on, on the podcast and my as Andreas said in the show notes, the my soapbox is around sharing information and transparency. It's it's. Um, I think that the CFA is uh, is a group that that shares that. I, th I mean, there are lots of um, consumer groups and industry groups that that share that. But it's it's cool to to see this. Um, you know, making it in, in into an annual meeting. Uh, you know, for a, a large group to be able to talk about um, how people should uh, uh, use social media, what we can learn from it. So uh, yeah, it was, it's cool to get that invite, and I look forward to going uh, to going to sit there, and, and not just sit there, but I may actually say something. <laughs> and 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 maybe you'll even say that you have a podcast and that people should listen. I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't decided, Don. It's not scripted yet. <laughs> yeah, I know you actors. Yeah, it's I, it's I'm, it's very I'm very you method. Script. I'm very yeah. method. Um, and, and so while we're speaking about sharing information uh, and and connections and, and stuff like that, I mean, I have generally found um, LinkedIn to be um, less than useful. <laughs> um, it just takes up my time basically, and I, I spend a fair bit of time considering each LinkedIn request, and then almost invariably end up uh, clicking accept the LinkedIn request. So it takes a lot of time and doesn't really offer much payback. But I did get actually a LinkedIn request that was actually had some well written text in it, and it was very interesting from a guy named Matthew uh, Ironman, who is the founder and CEO of a company called HD Scores, and and this is a. Uh, uh, their their tagline, it's a tech startup that was founded in Baltimore um, in 2012, and they promote distribution of health department inspection reports across North America. And so their idea, as I understand it, is to build this database uh, that they will then uh, license uh, the use of to people like Yelp and, and, and others to basically find out health department scores for 
um, uh, for, for the restaurant that you're about to go eat in. And this is a topic that has come up several times on the podcast. And I really want to say thanks to Matthew for, for reaching out uh, via LinkedIn. And we had a, a kind of a nice uh, email follow-up discussion. Um, they, uh, I guess they're making some changes to the database. So the beta version is not quite yet available. But, but anyway, I, just, I think it's just such a cool idea. And I really hope that as a tech startup, they're able to make a go of it. it the prospect what they're trying to do to me sounds incredibly daunting. I mean, the, mm. the, the, the kind of apps that we've seen tend to be, you know, based on a single location, like, so for New York city or, you know, somewhere where, where you can get, uh, through uh, public records act, you can get access to this information and then build the app there and start out. What HD scores seems to be trying to do is to do it on a more national basis. And so, I mean, it seems like a virtually impossible job, but good for them for trying to do it. I mean, I would love to just to be able to know when I'm, when I'm trying to pick a restaurant, when I'm traveling, try to pick a restaurant. I'd also like to be able to access that information, you know, and to the, to the point of an earlier podcast, it might be really great to actually be able to drill down to the level um, that, you know, Craig Hedberg has done with some of his work to find out, well, okay, so not only what's their health department, what's their inspection score, but what were the critical violations? And are those critical violations that are really ones that impact food safety? So, uh, again, just really interesting stuff happening out there in the world. Well, and, and on that, I think to, to be able to drill down to those critical violations really, really matters for, for HD scores as they go along because you've got lots of different um, uh, in, in inspection regimes. I mean, you know, in North Carolina, um, we, we had adopted the 2009 food code. In Virginia, it's the 2005 food code. So even just in those those towns that are right across the state line from each other, um, if someone was you, – you, you may get scores – uh, for the you know for Applebee's in those two towns, but there are scores that are under different inspection um, uh, criteria. So yeah, I mean I, I agree with you. I think this is great. This is this is absolutely the type of stuff that um, that we need to see more of. That gives people in their pocket some some informed uh, information. But it, the 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 challenge is how do you how do you um, normalize it across the 3,100 jurisdictions that they're um, aggregating data from? Um, well, and you know. One of the things that they talk about on their website is also like differences between different inspectors. I know with the work that we've done um, where we go out uh, every month and inspect Rutgers University dining halls, I found uh, for sure that there are differences uh, like these are graduate students that go out and do this. And I found for sure there's differences between graduate students so that they go out and they, they look for certain things, you know, more preferentially than other things. So there's, you know, this whole issue and this this came up actually again to hark back, harken back to um, a food safety talk episode one and the the whole debate about whether FSIS was going to release this uh, establishment specific information and all the concerns about well inspectors are different and some inspectors are harder and the general public doesn't have the expertise to interpret the comments that the inspectors make etc cetera, etc cetera. so anyway it's a it's a it's a very interesting uh, it's a very interesting world and and I'm I, again I'm just heartened by the fact that peep there are people out there that are trying to do this sort of thing no no matter how difficult it might be and no matter what the, what the problems are. Because the, the only way we're going to solve these problems is to try to solve them, right? To just throw up your hand and say, well, it's just too hard. We're not going to do it. Um, to me, that seems like a cop-out. Absolutely, yeah. Let's, the, totally. Let's, let's try something. Let's uh, uh, at least start somewhere and then figure out what, whether it works or not and, then, uh, and adjust our, our, um, our strategy. Uh, totally. 
Absolutely. So, so let's. I think we we've probably hit enough enough uh, follow up for forty two minutes. <laughs> yes, I think we're we're approaching a, a hypercritical Syracuse like follow up where the half of the show is is follow up, but that's Good. okay. Yeah, it it shows it, we're we're not a uh, we're we're a serial uh, show, right? We've got you you've got to know a little bit about uh, what happened before if you if you really want to get into what we're talking about. Um, so here's let me let, let me jump in with my first piece of uh, of new, um, if if that's okay with you. Uh, I started, uh, or sorry, I was away last week. I mentioned this earlier that I was on, uh, went to Calgary, took my uh, uh, two year old or four year old son Jack uh, with me, soon to be five, uh, and it was just he and I hanging out. Um, and uh, went to, I gave a talk at the Alberta Food Processors Association uh, annual meeting uh, on. Um, uh, Wednesday last week, uh, March 20th. And then, uh, Jack and I hung out with, uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law for a couple of days. They live in Calgary. And, uh, then we flew home on, on Sunday. Um, Jack, uh, started to not feel great on Saturday morning. Um, we were driving around Calgary and he had, um, uh, we, we were looking for hockey equipment for him cause it's much more expensive here in North Carolina and he wants to start playing hockey. So I, uh, decided that we would buy skates and all the equipment. Wait, wait. he wants to start playing hockey. He, he actually does. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm pretty, I, I, I'm a, uh, I don't know. I'm a pretty like non forcing parent. If he shows interest <laughs> in something, he can do it. And if he doesn't, I don't, I don't care. He'll find something he'll like. So, um, I w- it would be great if he played hockey, but, uh, I will, yes, absolutely. He wants to, um, <laughs> right, right child. Uh, <laughs> So, um, anyway, uh, we were driving around and went to like five or six different stores and kept starting and stopping in the car. And then finally he said, Oh, my tummy hurts. And then he puked and vomited all over, uh, the car. So we went home and, um, also he had a little bit of diarrhea at the same time. So kind of thought, Oh man, I don't know if it was just all this travel and changing, uh, spots or if, if he had, uh, picked up some sort of, um, you know, uh, pathogen or, or what was, what was going on. Um, so he, uh, later that night on, on Saturday night, he, uh, he vomited again. Uh, and then, uh, Sunday we were flying, flying home. Um, and so we're, you know, I have this sort of panic situation in my head of, Oh, this child, he's going to be sick the whole time that we fly. Um, you know, how, how am I going to manage this? And, and more from the, you know, just trying to isolate vomit. And, and if he has diarrhea, what do we do? So, so anyway, I, I packed, um, uh, five pairs of underwear and three pairs of pants and three shirts in my carry on, just in case I had to, um, remove them and throw them out, uh, as we went through our travels and, um, got up at, uh, uh, 5 30 AM, uh, Calgary time to go to the airport for a flight. And Jack was a little bit, um, you know, he was tired and, you know, didn't seem, uh, like he was too, uh, um, with it. Uh, as we pulled up to the airport, he threw up again. Uh, so change, close change number one for the day. Um, and, uh, and then, then we, we got to stand in line for a little bit during going through immigration and security and he seemed fine. Got on, we got on the plane with no further incident. And this was a flight from Calgary to Minneapolis. Um, and then, uh, he, he seemed a little better. He, he told me that he would like to eat some lunch. So we got some lunch when we were in Minneapolis and then got on a second plane, uh, from Minneapolis to, to RDU here in Raleigh. And, um, 
uh, we hit some pretty nasty turbulence about 30 minutes before um, the plane landed, and he said the same thing to me again of, I'm not feeling well. And then I looked over, and as he started to make the heave motion, I got the my fleece that he was wearing as a blanket and tried to corral all this vomit. So the, the story isn't so much that. <laughs> Although that I'm sure is interesting for some of the the listeners, that's, that, that that was that's fascinating. Yeah, you just start, start go go through it all again. Sure, yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Um, here's here's the part that I thought that was kind of fascinating was that Delta. So I was flying on a Delta flight. They must have some sort of you know vomit infection control plan. Like they've got to have something in place that their flight attendants know. Because I'm sure that my kid's not the only one that vomits. People throw up on planes. I assume all the time. So much that. Um, we all have vomit bags in the back of our seat for turbulence and other reasons. So, you know, it's, it's, a th- it's, it's, it's like a, uh, a cruise ship, a cruise ship kind of situation where you've got this confined space. And so when someone gets sick, you've got this potential to impact a lot of other people. So, um, that, that being said, that's exactly what happened as Jack kind of threw up, um, first, you know, frontwards and then second to the left in between are the seats. Uh, and the, he was sitting in the window seat. So it was down in between the seat and the wall and ended up getting on the guy behind us. Um, so, you know, um, I guess potential, uh, transfer of norovirus or something, uh, number one <laughs> right there. Um, but what, so, so when that happens, this is what, the, this is what sort of progressed. And I'm, I'm trying to manage him and make sure that he's, you know, comfortable because he's really upset at this point because he's vomiting and it's not very nice. And I think he's a little bit embarrassed. This is all going on. Um, and then uh, two, three bags, three plastic bags kind of arrive from the flight attendant. This is all still going on with this turbulence. You know, the seatbelt sites on the flight attendants can't come help us. Um, but they pass down these um, these bags. And so I take the fleece that he'd vomited in and I threw that in a bag and took a shirt off and put that into a bag uh, and then had this other bag ready for him to vomit into if he needed to. And he did, did that as well. Um, and then, uh, then the, I guess the, the, the strangest thing kind of happened, um, which, or the, the strangest management um, thing happened that I hadn't really thought about is um, as you know, I look around to see what's going on um, as Jack seems to have calmed down a little bit. There are people that are um, clearly, uh, uh, um, affected by the smell of this vomit because um, it, it's it, it's powerful and uh, maybe six or seven rows in front of us I see people like uh, really quickly trying to open up their air vents uh, above above them and a guy the guy in the in the seat right beside me is just staring straight ahead you know we're going through this turbulence this kid close to him is is puking and he's just staring straight ahead and the flight attendants open up coffee filters with you know the the coffee and coffee filter combos those packages and hand them out have you ever seen this before do you like you do a lot of flying i've never seen this i i have not seen this before but i had a sense that this is where you were going with this and this has and you you should know this ben and 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 i'm sure bats does because because he listens to to roderick on the line this was actually a conversation topic on Roderick on the line um, where it was, again, I think John was on an airplane and it wasn't vomit, but it was like people at the back of the plane where the bathroom is and somebody, you know, drops a smelly load, you know, not to put too fine a point on it. Um, And, uh, uh, and, and so th- then again, this coffee filter where they look like would rub the coffee filters on the seats or something. Exactly. Yeah. I had never. So, so they, they hand out, um, 
the flight attendant hands out maybe seven or eight coffee filters and they rot there. Then he's kind of like holding on to seats and trying to rub it on seats and rub it up top. And I was like, what is he doing? And then maybe five seconds later, the smell of coffee hits me and it totally knocked out the vomit smell. Like it was, it was fairly amazing. Um, so these were, these were used coffee filters. No, these were new. Like they were open up, you know, the like seal, like you would get in a hotel room where they're, um, it, you know, it's a plastic bag sealed coffee filter with coffee grinds. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Okay. So it's the, okay. Got it. Yeah. It's the okay. smell. Yeah. The filter itself doesn't matter. It's the, it's, it's the coffee the, it's grinds. It's the coffee yeah. inside. It's a, it's a, it's a pod. It's basically a yes. coffee pod. Okay. Exactly. Now, suddenly a lot more clear. Okay. So so then it it, it knocks the the uh, the smell out, and I, I'm thinking from Delta's standpoint, um, and I don't know if it's for infection control or just quality, but you know the, there are folks out there that have sympathy vomit. I'm I used mm. to be one of them. Now that I have kids, I don't see it doesn't seem to bother mm. me at all. Yeah. But I used to be one where someone was vomiting and and that smell hit or something, I would start to to gag. And this guy that's right beside me, I think that's what's happening. And then all of a sudden he gets this like pansea of a coffee filter and he just keeps staring straight ahead and he i see this coffee filter gradually going up so it's covering his nose (laughs) he's just like almost rocking there in the fetal position but but you know so so i think from from there from delta's standpoint what they're trying to do is uh you know contain what 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 event we had um as much as possible give me something that i can throw the clothes into that that so i'm not like spreading um any of the 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 vomit stain stuff around then they're trying to make sure that it's not affecting the other passengers at least the smell so they use these these coffee grinds then there's two more things that came up um that that i thought were you know part of their plan part part of their 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 infection control strategy um one of them i don't agree with and so this is the next one we land oh and someone from delta is calling me i guess um we we land and um uh the flight attendant makes an announcement saying you know we've had a passenger who's been ill on the plane could you um could everyone remain in their seats because we'd like to get the passenger off first this I didn't think was a good idea. We're at the very back of the plane, second last seat. I've got like my clothes are vomit, you know, laden. I've tried to wipe it off. Jack has got his pants are all a mess. Where he's not dripping, but he's absolutely still got some some vomit matter on him. And then I walk down with him. And I'm carrying two bags, my bag, his carry-on bag, actually three bags, the bag with all the soiled clothes in it, and then him because he's not he's not going to walk. And we're, like, bumping into seats as we walk down, and I, you know, con- contact five or six seats or people as I walk down through this aisle because it's you know, kind of tough. But I've just, in my mind, as I get to the front, I've just thought, man, I potentially have now – you know, inoculated the plane. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And, and so then I'm like, wow, man, it probably, we're standing there and the best part is I get to the front and the door's not open. So I get to turn around and see all the excited people as this vomit waft came by them. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I've absolutely potentially inoculated the plane. And I think about this afterwards, there's a paper and we'll set, I'll, I'll link to this in show notes, uh, from a couple of years ago where, where there was a vomit event in an aisle in a plane. Um, and the, um, 
individuals there there was an attack rate something like this if i remember it correctly the people that had to walk through that of uh, that vomit event spot as they exited the plane had a you know three times the likelihood of getting the norovirus of, of the people that were seated in front of that vomit event that that didn't have to get through it and so now here i've done is i've just spread this event uh, basically a little bit and i mean i don't know how much it is and how much is still left on but i'm but i'm definitely dragging it through the uh, the plane uh, potentially um and then we sit there uh and wait and, uh, and the flight attendant says to the um the ground crew uh who are there hey um there's been a uh, you know a vomit there's been vomit in seats 19a and 19b which are the seats that we're sitting in um can you get your crew in to clean that but she didn't mention you know, that we vomited in the seat behind us and in row 20 either. And maybe the crew would figure that out, but, but it wasn't, I mean, knowing and who knows whether it's norovirus at all and whether, you know, you know, they wouldn't know that. I don't know it, but, but I think their protocol should be, they assume that it's norovirus. And if it is, then um, cleaning up in an area around those, uh, those seats is important, not just those seats. And, and I don't know what happened. I mean, maybe that's exactly what they did, but I, I, I figure that um, when the plane rolls in, um, they're trying to turn it around really quickly because they've got to get another flight out. I've probably, Jack's probably delayed the next flight, but there, you know, there's this time pressure of let's get these seats clean up. And, and I know that I've potentially dragged this norovirus all the way down the, the, um, the plane. And so they're, they're, uh, I, I would think, uh, uh, a risk of anybody who's now entered that plane uh, of picking up norovirus, if that's what it was that that my kid had. So it was it was this this whole kind of thing. You know, I, I'm managing the situation. I had some chance to to think about it afterwards, and and I did this because I had to give a talk yesterday on, on food safety plans, and I was like, man, I just went through a, a situation where I saw someone's plan get enacted because of something my my child had had done and potentially something I'd done as I w- ran down the plane. So, so yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So a couple of, couple of different reactions to that. So I suppose I can, you know, again, food safety and what we know about norovirus aside, if the person is ill and needs medical attention, it makes sense to get them off the plane, right? Cause the yes. first priority is to that sick person, but you're right. If it's norovirus, then that person is, you know, they're sick and they're miserable, but, but really at that point, your, your dedication should be to preventing the spread of infection. Um, it makes sense to get you off quickly if you are closer to the front of the plane. Right. But you're right. If you're in the back of the plane and you're essentially going to inoculate the whole plane, the sensible thing to do is make you guys comfortable and stay where you are and then get everybody else off the plane maybe even the people behind you and then and as long as you don't have to catch a connecting flight or there's not an issue there then just kind of let you guys take your time and get off the plane in a normal manner um the other point that I want to make is, so first of all, I mean, props to Delta for apparently having a plan. Yes. Um, I, I think I shared with you uh, that Kristen and I, uh, for our uh, anniversary and slash my birthday, uh, went to Hawaii and she got food poisoning on the flight on the way back. She got food poisoning in Hawaii, we think, and was sick on the flight back. Um, and, you know, I I'm a, was a big fan of Continental. Uh, they've always done right by me. United has generally done a good job. I have to say that both the flight to Hawaii and the flight back from Hawaii were the singularly worst flight crews that I've ever had on any airplane ever. 
They they were bitchy to each other. They were they they were supposed to provide two. It's a long flight from Newark to to Honolulu, right? It's a long flight. They only gave us one meal service each time. Um, when Kristen was sick, I went and I took and handed them the vomit bag, and they. You know, it's like, oh, sorry, you can throw that here and do you need some more vomit bags? But nothing like the response that you guys saw on that Delta flight. So, I mean, I, yeah, granted, there's probably some tweaks we could do, but, geez, at least they had a plan. At least they took some action. Um, I, I, my only consolation is hopefully on another United flight somewhere with – competent flight crew or competent uh, cabin crew, rather. Um, you know, the flight crew were great, right? <laughs> they took the plane off. They landed the plane. They got us back. Um, but the cabin crew were just horrible. And and I hope that's not an indication of how United handles vomiting events like this. But it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's sorry that it had to happen to you guys. But, but it seemed like for the most part, Except for that last bit, uh, Delta really had their act together. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was impressed that, that immediately, like it was it, something happened, right? Like there mm-hmm. wasn't. It was um, uh, a, a you know, and a passenger around us. You know, I was managing Jack, but a passenger around us was like, you know, let the flight attendant know, and then all of a sudden, within seconds, we had stuff. And and they they you know, and their secondary wave of getting those coffee grinds out there, um, uh, coffee filter things out there. It, it was really. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was great. Uh, just that, that, yeah, like like you said, maybe a couple of tweaks to the plan, and 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 uh, you know we're looking into it from a from a food safety bias, but for you know it could just be that their plan is any medical emergency, any illness, they want to get that person off first. Right. Um, so yeah, it's uh, um, it was it was yeah it, it was good. And Jack Jack still uh, I mean it's not good that he, he you know got sick, but he seemed to feel better afterwards. Um, and as as you do after you vomit. Um, but he uh, he still uh, had some had some trouble yesterday, so we're gonna um, see. He's he's doing all right today. Like he seems to be a little. He hasn't had any. He hasn't vomited. Um, he had a little bit of a loose stool yesterday. Um, we're gonna give him a little more time today. He seems to be bouncing around. He's not lethargic, but if uh, if it if he's got another uh, full day of this today and and doesn't start to turn around, then we're gonna hit the uh, uh, medical uh, specialist to see what's going on. Yeah, I uh, we we did our fair share of traveling uh, when uh, my ex-wife and I were were married and and we visited her folks in Georgia. So we spent a lot of time in the car um, driving from New Jersey to Georgia. And I can remember on more than one occasion, you know, somebody puking into the back of a seat, you know, and uh, stopping and doing the roadside cleanup. And yeah, I mean, it's just and at least that was a car and it was only us, you know. But uh, we didn't uh, fly at all ever with uh, with the kids. So that was that was good that we didn't have that. But uh, yeah, certainly my share of uh, dealing with uh, sick kids uh, during travel and it's, it's never fun. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it's something that will resolve itself and he'll be, he'll be better soon. Hope so. Thanks. So what I, speaking of your kids, um, I, I have to share and we'll, we'll edit this, we'll edit this out, um, uh, if it's not appropriate, but, uh, so, uh, this is, uh, this is something that you posted on Facebook and uh, I don't know if we can, I don't know if we can, uh, link to something from Facebook, uh, uh, from, from the show notes, but yeah, it looks like it's generally accessible. So, um, so the, um, 
what you wrote here is, in the 10 seconds it took me to get Sam some milk, Jack, this is the aforementioned Jack, brought this potty into the living room so he could pee and watch TV at the same time. He is aware of the pause function we have. He just didn't want to use it. And there is a delightfully cute photograph of your son uh, basically pants around his ankles sitting on a little blue uh, potty seat um, with this kind of uh, like, I, I'm, I'm, he's kind of got the sheepish grin on his face. Yes. Um, anyway, so it was delightful. So uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, yeah, and as, as somebody, somebody writes in the comments of the Facebook post, he looks more proud than guilty. <laughs> yeah, which is true. It was, it was fairly incredible. We will put this, all, we, I can post this on the Tumblr page, the picture, okay. uh, so folks can, can see it. But yeah, it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty awesome. I turned my back, uh, one Saturday morning and then all, or Sunday morning and, and all of a sudden Jack is dragged at this potty and, and I was like, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I just wanted to watch TV. I'm like, we, we can pause it. Oh yeah, I know. I know. I just wanted to, I just wanted to do this here. And he just smiles. So it was like, it was more about him showing, you know, demonstrating that he can do it this way. Yeah. It's just innovative. He's it was, innovating. it was, you know, just the next, uh, you know, it's the next iteration of the innovation. That's all. Dan- Danny did mention to me afterwards that if I could do something like that, that I probably would. And I then <laughs> said to her, I have an iPad and I take it with me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, and I've I've been known to watch a, a hockey game or two while uh, while in the in the restroom. Ah, <laughs> uh, cool. So, so so the next the next thing I've got a couple of things of of substance that I would I would like to talk about. Um, and I guess the let's let's go with uh, let's go with the, this one. It's uh, it's a post uh, that I saw via Bytes, um, which is the the service that uh, that, that Doug runs. That's kind of re reposts a lot of stuff from Barf Blog, but also news stories that don't get coverage in Barf Blog. And it's a it is a um, column by Richard Raymond. Um, that appeared in uh, the uh, Meeting Place, and and uh, it I, looks like I'm missing the uh, the URL, but I'll find it. So it's a uh, it's posted in the, the Meeting Place, which is a meat industry website, and uh, the title is "Is Our Food Safer Today Than Five Years Ago?" And it's by Richard Raymond, who's a, a professor at, at uh, uh, Texas A and M, I believe, who is um, formerly worked for for USDA. Um, and and he writes and he so he's talking about the CDC report from January of this year, uh, reading the CDC uh, morbidity mortalities weekly report article. Uh, one could logically draw the conclusion that our food is safer, but it seems the CDC is reluctant to come out and say that. In fact, they have qualifiers advising people to not make that assumption. And uh, and he he kind of goes on to kind of break that apart and 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 point this out. Um, uh, but he says, um, you know, it, he's he's trying to figure out. He's wondering, I guess, is is the reason why um, it 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 is not being more definite that it might somehow impact the need for FISMA. So the idea is that well. If the food supply is getting safer, maybe we really don't need FISMA. And so um, maybe it's, uh, as he says here at the end of his article, maybe it's because it's harder to get funding for FISMA if we're getting better reducing illnesses without it. Um, What do you think of that? 
Um, I kind of thought it was garbage. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, so I didn't, and I don't know. Uh, we haven't talked about this, but uh, I, he he makes a, a comment in here that um, the, the this report, this new th- this this report he's referring to is the um, um, uh, Scanlon uh, et al. update to the Mead paper back from 1999, where uh, CDC um, I- investigated uh, or basically recalculated the burden of foodborne illness um, based on, on on different metrics and better data that they had. Th- that had been going on for a long, long time, and his, his comment here, uh, somewhere in here, he, he mentions that um, that FISMA. You know, it, it's kind of suspicious that right right around the same time that FISMA was passed, that that this paper comes out, and it was at a uh, different. Um, you know, there's somehow linked, and and I that that part I thought was uh, was absolutely a stretch, just because from sort of being in the world. I, I, of you know food safety, and you, you probably have heard the same thing. I mean, as as back as far as 2007 or 2006, I remember talking to somebody from CDC who was involved with PulseNet, saying that they were looking at that you know, that that Elaine Scallon was was updating those numbers, and and we really didn't hear much about FISMA until post. Um, I mean, you. To late 2008, early 2009. So, so I don't. To me, the the connotation that these two things are linked and that CDC's messages were based on on, on FISMA is, is totally wrong. The, the to me, the other thing that that I thought was, um, yeah, at least my understanding all along on this, and and, and I think qualifier as as Raymond points out in, in his. Um, in his commentary is not really the strong enough word. CDC's message was, look, you can't compare these numbers, these these uh, Mead numbers and, and the Scanlon numbers, because we use totally different metrics. It's not even that we use just different data sets. We just, we use different metrics. We know more about uh, foodborne illness. So you can't, no one can make these comparisons. And and if you, uh, someone, t- um, someone told me after this, and I can't remember who it was, or I may have read it, but if, if they had run the data, the 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 Scanlon data or Scanlon data in the um, Mead calculator, that it would have been really close to 76 million. So it's so it has to do with the instrument more than uh, more than the data and, and more accuracy from that instrument. That's my my sort of um, understanding of this. So I I, I thought um, I thought it was kind of this. Um, I mean uh, I'm. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't agree with the w- with his comments. Right. I think that your original descriptor was garbage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And and I, and that was also my my reaction as well. And you know, I, I, there are conspiracy theorists and there are people that think that those things are valid. Um, I think in this case, no. It's just a matter of scientists trying to be as cautious as they can. The these numbers are very the CDC. It's like democracy, right? Uh, the, it's a horrible system of government. It's just the best one we have. The CDC numbers are crap. They just happen to be the best numbers that we have, and we we, we put all sorts of qualifiers in there, um, and and that's just uh, that's just the way it is. It reminds me when you were talking there, I I was thinking about um, I don't know. Do you remember New Coke? Oh yeah. Yeah, so so there's conspiracy theories around around New Coke, and there's a great a great quote that I just found that I want to read. So that so one of the conspiracy theories around New Coke was that the company intentionally changed the formula, hoping consumers would be upset with the company, demand the original formula to return, which would in turn cause sales to spike. And in response to this, um, the I guess the CEO uh, uh, Keogh said. Um, 
quote, we're not that dumb and we're not that smart, quote, end quote. So no, it, it's great. I mean, yeah, there can be conspiracies and, and conspiracy theorists, but, you know, in, in the end, it's it's probably – that's probably not the best explanation. Yeah, and it seems like a, a lot of work to do for that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes it, deal it seems like yeah, that that's the, that's the thing. The as I read into that conspiracy I was like, man, I, I mean that that quote from the Coke CEO is awesome, but it's the same thing. It's like, man, I, it's a lot of work and and, and and it takes a lot of planning for someone to to uh to spend 5 years to make it so they would be able to justify um uh that FISMA needed more funding or or something that didn't exist. Anyway, <laughs> Yeah. Um, the the next thing the next thing that I want to ask you about um, is uh, and then and then uh, and then I'll, I'll throw it over to you to see what what you'd like to do. But uh, this and this is something that I emailed to you and to Doug um, and Doug's comment I think was was essentially un, unprintable. I don't remember the email response, <laughs> but it's the uh, it's the uh, it's it's something that I got an uh, email entitled uh, IFT Media Video Update: Why We Need Food Processing and and so it's a link to a whole bunch of videos. One is from Eric. Decker at University of Massachusetts uh, explaining how food processing fits today's busy lifestyles and how uh, they can be healthy and how they can be an important part of our diet. Um, everything is processed uh, by John Floros. Uh, again, uh, and as I shared in the email with you guys, John is a buddy of mine from graduate school. We were at University of Georgia together. He was a uh, at Purdue for much of his career at Penn State as department chair, and now he's the dean of the College of Agriculture at K-State. Um, and uh, he explains how foods we don't typically associate with processing, such as apples, are in fact processed. Um, there's another study who show, that shows how processed food contributes to the American diet. Um, one size doesn't fit all when it comes to processed foods. A nutrition professor clarifies the five different levels of food processing. I had, I had no idea there was such a thing. Um, uh, this is a lovely one. Processed foods are wonderful for women. Yes, that's um, my favorite. And, and anyway, um, it's just, uh, I, you know... Well, and I, I see I did paste uh, Doug's comments right. here, um, which which we probably shouldn't attribute to him. Although he probably doesn't care. But it just you know what 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 bugs me about this is it just it just sounds like we're apologizing for the food industry. We're just it just insisting like what's the what's the quote the the harder that some the the more the more he talked about his trustworthiness the more we counted our spoons i mean you know people that insist that that they're not lying or you know are just so insistent it just it just seems way over the top for me yeah it uh doug i think used the quote recently in, in a barf blog post of um anybody who tells somebody just trust me is immediately suspicious yes <laughs> yeah. yes um yeah and, and so i i i uh, I'll admit I've I've not looked at these in too much detail. I went through the Decker one and the Floris one about three minutes to you know total. Um, and but but I think your assessment of apologizing for the food industry um, is is correct in, in the short amount of time that I that I viewed them. And I think this is part of a larger a larger issue that that industries are dealing with and sometimes government gets involved in this and sometimes academia gets involved with this but um it, it's the the larger issue to me is um no one understands what we do and if they don't understand what we do <clears throat> then then when something bad happens they automatically think that we messed it up on purpose or that we're not taking enough care and so the the i think the the reaction to that from the food processing industry 
probably um, guided with uh, a, a you know IFT and and, uh, and, and the public relations uh, folks was to put out these videos and to show all the good and and, and what you know why why food pro- where food processing is and what it what it's all about and it's to me it's just not in context with anything um, the the time. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it doesn't it, – it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty generic and it doesn't really speak to um, the stuff that, that I think from, from what I read that people really worry about, which is around, well, what are the risks and what are you doing to the environment? And, and it, does, it just doesn't – it, it doesn't seem to answer that, that kind of stuff. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, this, this came up – so uh, when I was in Calgary and I gave this talk at the Alberta Food Processors Association um, – I, I talked a lot, and, and Doug actually posted a video um, of, of his talk um, that he was right before me on the on the agenda, and, and I was, you know, I, I followed up, and and both of us in our in our talks talked about um, marketing food safety and. Um, you know, labeling. And, and so I kind of had this panel discussion afterwards because there was some extra time on the agenda. So they, um, I, I got about 20 questions from, from the folks that were there about what I thought about certain things. And one of them came up of, well, what, you know, you, you say that we shouldn't blame consumers, but what do we tell them? And I, I went into a bit of a diatribe on, well, you tell them that there are risks. There are risks associated with, with food. There are risks associated with your products. And you're trying to do lots of things to reduce those risks. And a guy, you know, I'm not in the processing industry. And one of the guys said, look, I can't, I, my marketing people won't let me tell people that there are risks. And I said, well, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, trust us, but we're not going to tell you what the issues are. And I, and to me, this is the 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 trust us side of things. It's the it's it's all the good without any of the bad, which which isn't real. I mean, there there is bad. If there wasn't bad, then people wouldn't be employing employing HACCP. I mean, there are there are things out there, and you know that that's just the food safety bad. But there are, there are things that that processors do that they're trying to address bad situations, and and to ignore that and just talk about here's why it's great and here's how it fits into today's busy lifestyles. Um, misses the you know some of the realities of the uh, of the industry which consumers can handle like that's the thing i think is the the um the part that is is difficult about this um, is and it's the same thing when when I work with agriculture industries where they just don't want to tell people that um, that they're employing good agricultural practices because that will imply that there uh, were risks associated with what they're doing and and it is there is <laughs> there are risks that's the th- that's the point and if if you don't tell them about it an issue is going to pop up and someone else is going to tell them about it. At least here you get to tell your own story. Um, so again, I don't know. And I, I don't know if you went through all of these videos to see if, if they talked about any of the bad stuff, but for me, it sounded like they talked about the goods. <laughs> I, I, I have to admit my, my single most important thing I did with that was send it to you guys. So I could see what you <laughs> thought. I didn't, I didn't, I looked at them. I know, um, I know John quite well. I know, I know Eric in passing. Um, and I just, the whole, thing just kind of turned me off and I just wanted to kind of I wanted you guys to confirm my belief that it was right for me to be turned off. And of course you guys did that in spades. No, I didn't. I honestly, I mean, I, I, now I feel a tiny bit guilty that I wasted your time yeah. uh, for you and Doug to look at that. But it just, it just, just, it just struck me as like, this is inauthentic. Yes. You know, it, um, it, and, it, and it's, and it's in response to people just don't know. Right, like right, it's, and it and right. it's and it's in, in inauthentic. It's not even answering that question. It doesn't help them. 
Right, right. Well, and, and, and see, and that's why you guys are the risk communication experts because I could I – could, and this has come up before. I can articulate that something makes me uncomfortable, right? Like, Or I can, I can say, okay, so that is a bad food safety message, but I can't articulate how to fix it or to do it right, and, and you guys obviously – can that's why uh, that's why they they pay you the big bucks to do that. I mean, not that not that I don't have other skills, but but again, I, I trust that when you guys can look at something like that and say yes, and here's what they're doing wrong, and here's exactly why it's wrong, and here's what they need to do to fix it, and that's uh, that's just that's just very impressive when you guys do that. So, oh, well, thanks. That's that's what we're here for. That's what we do. <laughs> and the, the quote that I was looking for is a Ralph Waldo Emerson quote, uh, which is uh, the louder he talked of his honor, the faster we counted our spoons. <laughs> so we'll link to that in show notes. But you know this discussion about uh, food processing actually made me think of a book that I recently read. And this is, again, a shout out to my graduate student, uh, Dane Jensen, who, who basically lent me his copy of, of this book. And so because he, he had it on loan to me, I, I jumped the queue of all the other books that I got for Christmas and my birthday that I haven't read yet. And um, and read this, and if you if you have not read it, uh, it's a, it's a good read. It's uh, it, the book is entitled "Catching Fire: How Cooking Made Us Human," mm-hmm. and it's by Richard uh, Rangham, and and he is a, uh, a primatologist, I think, at Harvard. But it basically talks about. Um, how the single most important thing that differentiates us from our nearest ape relatives is the is cooking, and so uh, basically, as we began cooking, it changed our digestive tract, which uh, allowed us. And because we eat cooked foods, the nutrients are more readily available. It allows the brain to grow, and a whole bunch of stuff emerged from that. Which I think is is a, again, and it's kind of a, it's it's certainly not an, an apologist for the food industry, but it does show how quote unquote process food by simply the act of cooking um, could – and he, he lays it – it's a quite a compelling argument um, that, that that is what has differentiated us and enabled us to have all of these, um, these, these benefits that we have as humans that, that differentiate us from, from the other animals. So if you have not uh, looked at that book, uh, I would highly recommend it. I haven't. I'll check that out. It's, uh, I just added it to my uh, um, Amazon wish list. Excellent. That's awesome. It's cool. Thanks. Thanks to Dane. Yes, thanks. Thanks to Dane. Um, I want to. I want to point out in something in show notes here um, where you commented uh, on some. Doug. Doug wrote. Um, I like the Danes, and it or I like Danes, and it had something to do with uh, an outbreak that happened at a fancy restaurant in, in Denmark. Denmark. Yeah. And your comment underneath was, "I like Danes too." I was wondering if you meant people from Denmark or Dane, your graduate student, or both. Oh, I well both. <laughs> yeah, both. I like. I like. Some people from Denmark. I, I, I'm generally speaking, the Danes are a good, uh, a good and, and humorous people. As I think I also uh, put in the uh, in the show notes, uh, there's a, a guy who's going to come and visit Rutgers. Who I have I, I work with him on some. Um, um, uh, uh, FAO, WHO stuff. Uh, Bjarke, uh, who's now at uh, Bjarke Christensen, who's now a department chair at um, uh, a university in Denmark, and he's just a he's just a very the the Danes, as with all the Scandinavians, they have a they're very they're very serious, but they also can have kind of a, a very biting, sarcastic wit, which I, I very much appreciate. Um, and so I'm looking forward to Bjarke coming and visiting. So yes, I like the Danes, the people, um, and I like Dane Jensen, the graduate student. But you know, I don't I don't want to say that you know too many times. You'll get a swelled head. Yeah, right. Yeah, write write something, Dane. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. no, no, don't mention that because oh, he's okay. written uh, – the, no, I'm the rate-limiting step. Ah. We, we finally got one manuscript submitted and uh, there's two more that he has provided that he has done. No, he his, – his problem is he writes plenty. He needs, he needs to write – better ah, edit edit better yeah or edit self-edit better. self-edit dane self-edit better. It's produce a higher <laughs> product for me to review that Perfect. that's not but no he doesn't need to write anymore he just needs to write better all right well there you go <laughs> but but dane we love you <laughs> no ben loves you i tolerate yeah, exactly right but thanks for lending me the book thanks, yeah thanks and i and i'll go check it out yeah, it's a it's a quick read the guy's a pretty good writer it's, it's a quick read it didn't take me too long cool Ten ninety nine or nine nine ninety nine on Kindle. Kindle, exactly. Got, already threw it, threw it in there. Um, so I, I've got one more thing that I wanted to talk about um, before we sort of run off and yep. do our own things. Yep. Um, and that was uh, something that that sort of came out yesterday, and it's actually linked back to this this talk in in Alberta, um, and probably led to a, a string of really funny emails between Doug and I yesterday. Um, <laughs> Or did the, not probably it did. It, yeah, who, who doesn't like to wake up to porn? It's who doesn't? Porn? Yes, who doesn't like to wake up to porn? Food porn. So, so the backstory is, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned, Doug um, uh, and I were both on this agenda for the Alberta Food Processors, Processors Association, and neither of us knew that until we f- saw the final agenda, and we're like, hey. You're talking before me. You're talking after me. So we better coordinate what we're going to talk about. Um, and Doug did not come. He uh, sent a video, uh, a 15-minute – or uh, yeah, I think it was about a 15-minute video of his talk. And then he joined the procession via Skype from his kitchen uh, at 5 o'clock in the morning, um, uh, Brisbane time. And uh, anyway, during in the talk, he, he made a comment um, – here and this is this is the the sort of the the heart the hot part that that has uh, given him some some excitement over the last couple of days. He said, um, "Quote: Bacteria don't care. There are outbreaks at big places. There are outbreaks at small places. There are outbreaks in local food. There's outbreaks in food from around the globe. People either don't know about bacteria." Uh, or either know about bacteria and take steps to reduce the risk, or they don't. And what I want to be able to do is buy from the people that take those steps and let me know about it, because at the supermarket, it's all faith-based safety. In fact, I would argue that the porn industry is more responsible than the food industry. Uh, Remember that line. Um, Because the food industry says, if you have... uh, if you, you have to cook your pot pies or you have to cook your hamburger or you have to cook your eggs, that would be like the porn industry saying use a condom when they shut down, when they get a positive just like that um, re- regarding uh, HIV. The whole food safety message is sort of lost in the overwhelming around messages involving food porn. What do we learn from all these outbreaks? Food safety begins on the farm. It goes all the way through the systems. These are biological systems, not conspiracies. Any system is only as good as its weakest link. And stop blaming consumers. So that passes. Um, that, that he had in this talk, and he posted on Barf Blog last week and set it out on Bytes, got picked up by Food Production uh, Daily uh, news service, and I'm not sure who runs that. Um, and then they sent it out with the headline um, saying, um, uh, Professor, uh, where is it? Food science professor compares porn industry to food safety or to food uh, industry, which he did. Um, <laughs> but I mean, his, his point here. Uh, is that they they have a they have a they have a system they have a um, they they let people know 
who are in the industry up front what the protocol is. And when they get a, a positive, then they shut everything down. They don't, they don't say, hey, here's a step that you can take to protect yourself. We're just not going to expose you to the risk. And, and that was, I mean, that's all he was saying. But man, he got some major fallout from emails uh, directly to him saying, this is ridiculous. I can't believe you, you compared the porn industry to the food industry. The food industry is so much integrity. And man, I just thought, you know, it's it's a good comparison. Uh, it, it obviously elicited some uh, some engagement uh, out there, but um, but it's not about what industry is better. It's how they manage things. Like that's they, they kind of have, have missed the point. So he he also um, the the issue really ro- arose because um, the the food production daily. Um, uh, mis- really misquoted him, didn't transcribe it. So they their, their quote for him was from, I would argue the porn industry is more responsible than the food industry because the food industry says, well, you've got to cook your pot pies or you have to cook your hamburger. The porn industry says, just use a condom. And they shut down if they get a positive, just like that, which is not really what he said. Um, but um, he, he got a couple of nasty emails from people uh, who Doug just sent them the video and says, go, go read what or go listen to what I said because it's not what what I was quoted as saying, and then they withdrew their argument. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, that was that, that was it. But he, Doug Doug also makes it you know, like in his blog post here that we'll link to, um, uh, called "Yep, I said that porn industry is more responsible than the food industry, and here's why." Um, he also makes a comparison, which he makes he's made for ten years in talks that um, coaching. Hockey yes. is it requires more training uh, than handling food in in some uh, jurisdictions. Uh, so it's you know uh, it, it I, I think they're good comparisons. I think it's uh, I, I think it in, encourages uh, debate uh, around this. But man, you start you start throwing around the words porn and people get excited. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know I uh, I listened to the talk when it, when it first uh, when it first came out and um, it it's great. I mean it's twenty twenty five minutes. It, it prompted me to to invite Doug to give a IAP webinar, which <laughs> which we need to talk about. We'll figure it out. Yeah, because um, because anyway, it's uh, he's a legend. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I got to read from this article. Uh, quote: Kansas State professor Doug Powell is a legend in the food safety industry. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> And then uh, he says, uh, I tried to be reflective and said the problem with legends is they usually die young. Amy said, you're not young. <laughs> so but but I mean, it, it's a it's a really it's a great it's a great talk. And he does a really nice job. And I especially like I mean, the porn. The, well, I have to say, I like the, the, the comment about the porn industry because so I was kind of listening with one ear and then switching back and forth to the slides. And as soon as he said that, I switched over. And of course, what he has as his slide when he's making that statement is a photograph of Nigella <laughs> eating um, uh, spaghetti off of a, uh, a fork or something. And, you know, and I, I mean, I know Doug, I mean, I, I, I think Nigella is great. I love, I love her presence. I love her cooking shows. I know Doug likes to rail against Nigella because, uh, you know, she doesn't practice good food safety stuff. But I, I think she's a very engaging and interesting person. And we actually met her. She came to Freehold. Kristen's a big fan. She came to the Freehold Bookstore and uh, Barnes and Noble, and, and we waited in line and got her to sign our books. So she looked kind of tired and run down and, and <laughs> didn't really want to be there. And uh, but anyway, so we were we we got we actually got to meet her in real life. And I think she's a pretty cool person. You know, food safety issues aside. So but so first of all, props to Doug for picking the right background on the slide. Um, but um, but but his comments about coaching girls hockey were excellent because he talked. He didn't just talk about the training that you need. He talked about, well, you need this much training 
to do this thing. And then you need this much more training to do this other thing. And then, and then it, it kind of builds. And then, and then of course he talks about, well, and then what kind of training do you need to prepare food? Well, none of that. Yeah. So, uh, just really, I mean, it's, it's just a really well, nicely thoughtful and, and nicely put together talk. It's well, well worth the 25 minutes it takes to, uh, to listen and, and look at the slides. And we'll figure out a way to get him to do a webinar uh, for the education PDG because it's uh, yeah it it was it was great I think I thought it was a great great talk too and I was I was sitting there he even um, got people to raise their hands and then and then he and I were emailing back and forth and I was like you won't believe that they actually just raised their hands and they know that you're watch- they're watching you on video <laughs> and he couldn't see them right and he couldn't see them at all he was yeah it was, <laughs> and so it was yeah it was uh, it was good but but yeah the I mean. I, I, you know, I guess my, my thought here is, um, there are lots of, <laughs> there are lots of industries that have to manage risks and it doesn't matter if one of them is porn, if they have a plan to do it, you know, like right. the, the issue wasn't whether the management systems were comparable. It was the fact that he, he invoked the word porn and that automatically it must be a horribly seedy industry. Um, and I'm not a porn industry apologist, but, but it, that, that wasn't, <laughs> That wasn't the that wasn't the the point. Um, and but right, people, right. The, yeah. the point is managing risk. And yeah. you know, say what you will about the porn industry. If they manage risk well, we should call them out for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and praise them for that. And then figure out if there are things that we can learn from that. And people should just yeah, people should just relax a little bit. Yeah. So so hopefully uh, there'll be more. I'm sure there'll be uh, emails flying to his dean about the comparison <laughs> and stuff like that. But but he took it all in stride and it was like he, he you know, I talked to him yesterday afternoon. He said. Man, the guy called me a legend. <laughs> I said, "Oh yeah, the, you'll you'll be referred to as a legend a lot now." <laughs> uh, well, good stuff. Um, did you? Is there anything else that, that we didn't hit on that you wanted to talk about? No, those were the those were the big points. I think we need to to try to keep this at least the main show part to an hour and a half. That's where we are right yeah. now. Well, perfect. Well, Don, this is is great catching up with you again. Um, we'll uh, we'll do this again in episode thirty eight. Sounds good. Take care, Ben. Bye-bye. Bye. It's a good one. Yeah, it was fun. I, lots, lots of good stuff to talk about. And, and like I, I think I mentioned this last time. If I, if I, even if I just spend 20 minutes looking through the the list of links, now that we've got it all really nice and organized, um, it uh, makes me prepared for whatever we're gonna talk about a little bit you know like i'm not scrambling to read the paper or anything right um, well and i and I, I just need to keep doing what i'm doing which is to throw links in there when they catch my eye and then and then then just kind of make sure again that i make the time before the show to just find like two or three meaty ones that i can that i have something to say on or that i want to know what you have to say on yeah. so and did you notice that i didn't say once oh where should uh, we go next yes i, was, I did yeah. i you i thought you were edging up to it and then you and nope. then you didn't say it yeah so, no no yeah, i was like good i was stuff. very yep. really trying to not do that so i, th- I thought it flowed really good today yeah no i was it was, it was this was a good one yeah 
Cool, cool. So, um, so I, I have three great uh, perspective show titles. Okay, go. Uh, augment my normal poop color. <laughs> in, inoculated the plane. <laughs> and porn industry apologist. <laughs> I all of these are are absolutely perfect. <laughs> okay, very good. I like it. Uh, we'll let we'll let Andreas pick it. He's, okay. Yeah. He's he's got he can pick from those three, or if he comes up with something else that something we said. Better. Yeah. yeah. Oh, awesome. Good. Well, he he did such a great one with uh, episode thirty six. Yes, I saw that when you when you when you posted it uh, the draft. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Good. 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 Um. So yeah. So anyway, that means you're away. Oh, I guess that's through three weeks from now, right? That's not gonna. Yeah. So if we yeah. go, if we go, the week of the eighth. Who's in the background? That's that's Sam. <laughs> Wait, are, do, do you want me to bring him on? He's I'm, I'm at home and I've closed the door. But, but now, are you are you, are you do you have your uh, uh what, what heads what headset are you using? I'm using the the old, I'm using the one I have at home, the Plantronics. Hey. Oh, it sounds good. Oh, today. good, good. Well, and I noticed you know after our discussion about that, once when, when I listened to the audio in GarageBand after I cleaned everything up, it looked fine. It sounded fine. Good. Yeah. So. It, yeah. No, it's that's, that's fun. Um, okay. Yeah. So he's he's being. Uh, we'll get we'll get the after dark done. Then I'll go get him for lunch. Okay. <laughs> he's just he, um, who's in the background. Just my child that he's screaming. Uh, so, so anyway, yeah. Week of so, April eighth. Yeah. So so the, uh, the, I'm uh, going to Chicago that week. Okay. Um, but we could do. Um, I'm holding the afternoon of the eighth. Oh, my, this is going to be so bad as my travel schedule is just. Oh, it's just horrible. When do you um, leave for Verona? Do you leave on the twelfth? Yeah, yeah, on the twelfth. Okay. So I'm I have I'm out on the tenth, and you're in Chicago. When... Yeah, basically the only day that I could do it is the eighth, and I'm holding the afternoon for a uh, a teleconference. Okay. Um, but I could do, and and I hate to I hate to do it in the morning just because. Um, I, I just try to at least yeah. preserve the illusion that I could be writing. Yeah. But um, let's do uh, – I think we want, we want to keep on a two-week schedule. Let's do the morning Let's do the morning of the 8th if that works. Does that work for you? It does. Can we do it at 9? Sure. If that's, if that's not too early. Yeah, no, that actually – then I can get it done and, and then, yeah. yeah, that's great. Okay, good. Okay. Oh, yeah. So for Doug on the webinar, um, I think we – although I he – yeah, he, he yeah, I, just I wants... appreciate that he wants to be ten minutes and he wants to use his software. Yeah, but we... it can't be ten minutes and he can't use his software. And right, I, 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 I didn't, and I didn't want to. I mean, you know, he's kind of like <laughs> I. Any other person, I would just tell them no. how it's going to be. But I, I respect his his right to do his his things his completely his own way, but. In this case, his own way is going to mean that he's not going to do it, and 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 that may be that may just be just fine with him because he doesn't need to do like. Here, my point is that I think IAFP needs him to do a webinar more than he needs to do a webinar for IAFP. Yeah. Um, so he could just tell us to you know to f off and 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 that's fine. But I would lo- really love to cajole him into doing it. So so would but, what, but if let, I could maybe delegate that to you. Yeah. Well, and let me talk to Dee Dee about it. Okay. Um, because so we she's worked with me on the other uh, webinars, and we're going to do one on Wikipedia stuff soon for that project um well and and maybe if he doesn't want to be committed to do like a long one maybe you do one with the two of you you know or 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 doug and somebody else and you're the moderator and what i'm thinking we may be able to do if i remember the 
software correctly, he we may be able to show a video of him. Like even mm-hmm. though, like I, you know, I, I know the so I, I'm gonna ch- check with Didi on that. Okay, great. And and then have him join audio for questions because I think that might like um, satisfy what he's trying to do. Which okay. is yeah, because um, but oh, let me I'll, I'll check leave that with me and I'll check with Didi on okay. what the capabilities are and, and how we we go ahead and do that. Yeah, I'm not. And again, this is another thing. I'm not really that happy with the software that IAFP is doing using for these webinars. There's way better stuff out there. But at the other hand, on the other hand, I don't. I'm already that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can only complains. be so much of that guy. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I need to, I need to pick my battles. Um, and but anyway, yeah. So, but that would be great if you could, if you could just kind of take that, uh, like under your wing and and see what you can do with it. That would be wonderful. Well, I've put it on my on my task list. Excellent. Cool. Good stuff. Um. So yeah, we're all set. I'm uh, I'm going to see our friend Michelle next week for oh excellent yeah Wednesday Thursday Friday I'll be in Florida. Um, doing some cantaloupe stuff. So we've got, uh, um, I get in Wednesday afternoon and then Thursday we're traveling to some cantaloupe pack sheds and then Friday give a talk to the cantaloupe industry and fly home Friday night. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. Actually, Michelle and I are working on a Listeria, uh, modeling in cantaloupe paper right now. Um, it's going to be, uh, (laughs) she said, so you want to write a write this up and get a paper really quick and i said sure and then she, and i said how quick and she says oh six to eight <laughs> six, like six to eight hours yeah yeah right eight, six to eight weeks? weeks what yeah what was so, the answer i think the answer was six to eight weeks okay <laughs> but, uh, but we but anyway we're banging away on it pretty good we should be we should be done soon it's, it's going to be a note jfp note but it's uh and we already kind of got scooped by somebody else that built a model but our our data it kind of expands their model and shows that their model is valid after you Find, after you find the error in the parameter that they published and figure out it's off by an order of magnitude and after you correct for the fact that they reported the growth rate in natural log CFU per uh, gram per hour instead of log CFU. So anyway, their, their, their model's pretty good once you fix the two mistakes in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. It's a, I'm, I'm glad that you can uh, help them with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Cool. All uh, right, awesome. Good stuff. Well, um, you go have fun with your – you've got peanut butter. No, peanut uh, webinar? Yeah, peanut, uh, peanut webinar. Yep, okay. coming up. Good stuff. Have fun with that. And, Thanks. Uh, and I so uh, and you have the draft uh, show notes posted for yep. 36? All right, so I will upload the video and make it all good, and, and hopefully we'll publish that today. Cool, and I'll have to um, – next time I may need you to help me because I couldn't get the audio to upload – Last time, like I couldn't get it as an audio element. Yeah, so, I know that's weird. But you had no problem with it, so no. But it, but it may be a settings thing. So I, what I, what I will do when I do it this time is I will take really good notes, and okay. I'm, and I'm, I've already sort of uh, put a note in the, um, <laughs> the, the, the Yipes file, the, uh, the workflow file, and I will. Um, uh, uh, like the old way versus the new way, and I'll, I'll take good notes, and then and, and but yeah, but absolutely, I'm 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 here to help it when you go to do that if it's if it doesn't work right. Did you go through the process to get uh, travel help for Andreas for IAFP, like fill out the form and stuff? 
Yeah. So the issue is that he's doing a workshop and the the issue was, would the workshop be accepted? And then would it be accepted with the condition that he needed travel support? And my understanding is that the workshop was approved and that travel support will be forthcoming. So we should actually, in addition to a meetup with all of our other regular dedicated listeners, Andreas should be there as well. Absolutely. Good. Excellent. I have to do some, do the travel support request for someone for one of my symposia. So uh, well, I, I'm, I'm just mentioning that. I don't know. Why. Yeah, go. Well, go ahead and get that. I'm going to do it right now. I think it needs to be done soon, right? Yeah, I think it's got to be in this week or something. Yeah, so, yeah. Don't don't procrastinate that. I will not. I'm. It's happening. It's all happening. All right. Sounds all right. good. Thanks, Don. All right. Take care, Ben. Bye bye. Bye.